Hi, welcome to the StoryWorth podcast. We're glad you're here. I'm your host, Krista Baum, co-founder of StoryWorth. On this podcast, we feature true stories written by StoryWorth writers. If you're new to StoryWorth, we help people write their life stories, the big stories and the small ones. Once a week, we send our writers a question to help inspire their writing. They reply to the email with an answer or story that comes to mind. At the end of the year, we print what they've written into a beautiful keepsake book. Every story written using StoryWorth is private, but for this podcast, the writers volunteered to share their stories publicly with you. Today's episode is a little different. For our season finale, we wanted to share some of our favorite short stories from our StoryWorth authors and give them the chance to read their stories themselves. Our first story is by Joan Kopsinski, and she paints a vivid portrait of her very particular aunt. We'll let Joan take it away as she answers the question posed by her family, what do you remember about Great Aunt Susie? My name is Joan Kopsinski, and the piece I'm reading is Not Playing with the Full Deck. If you like dangerous sports, you'd have loved playing cards with my great Aunt Susie. She bore no similarity to my meek, mild-mannered grandmother. Susie reminded me of a dress-wearing devil. She roared through life like a crotchety, miserable matriarch who authored a how-to book on nastiness when it came to playing cards. She sat in a dark shades pulled living room in a brown leather recliner with a plaid woolen blanket across her lap. Barely able to hobble from her throne, she wore dark colored granny dresses which hid her plump frame and stocky legs. She peered from behind large wire-rimmed glasses. A mentholatum odor wafted about her from the ointment she rubbed on her body daily. Her mouth or jaw always moved up and down, smacking gum like a cow chomping grass. When she wasn't chewing gum, she sucked on hard candy. She never meant any harm, but her stony facade could freeze a man wanted for murder. On the rare occasion Susie smiled, she never showed her teeth. I once spied her long, straight black-gray hair cascade down her back. Then she spent hours braiding it and winding it in a bun. Why do you wear your hair up like that, I said. Why don't you just cut it? Women's hair was meant to be long, she grumbled. She looked straight at me accusingly. It's a mortal sin if you attend Sunday Mass with that short hair of yours. Who says, I said, the Bible, it's in the Ten Commandments. I looked at her and wondered if she was playing with the full deck. Although Susie was 80, I was only 10 years old when my mother forced me to play cards with her. My penance for mouthing off to mom about something. I would have rather kneeled in the corner for six hours than play cards with that righteous queen. Playing canasta with her pushed the envelope for me, proving to be much like bungee jumping. Starting out daring, building excitement with higher stakes and challenges, and then you never knew if you'd end up dead afterwards. If Aunt Susie couldn't win at cards legally, she'd cheat. Quit picking from the pile, I said. It's not your turn. She mumbled something in German and continued defiantly to add another card to her hand. You're a cheater, I said to her face. 
Why, you dirty little swinehunt, she said. Then she mumbled more words in German, which I didn't understand, but could tell from her tone that they were cuss words. I don't want to play with you anymore, I said, standing up to leave. Sit back down, she shouted, looking like she'd kill me if I didn't do what she said. Then she uttered more German words, which I took to mean, I'm not through with you yet. Game's over, I said. Then I went again, ha ha ha, she said, wolfing down her candy, the dish on her table now almost empty. Years later, my younger brother, who excused her bad behavior, told me I'd be a nasty old lady too if I had endured the hardships she lived through. She bore 12 children and mourned the loss of seven of them in infancy. Some were only eight months old, some a year, and one almost three when he died. The doctors failed to diagnose the problem. Some stodgy people from my small Idaho hometown thought God cursed her. Others said she suffered from the RH blood factor. It made me feel guilty about silently plotting her funeral. At 10, though, I failed to comprehend how those tragedies related to cheating at cards. I never played card games with her again. She died four years later. I avoided the funeral. Joan, thanks so much for sharing the story with us. You're obviously a very talented writer, and we got a huge kick out of the story. What was it about StoryWorth that you particularly enjoyed as someone who writes for fun? I felt like, for me, this was a way, because I am a writer, this would be a way to preserve what I had written. I'm an amateur poet, and I put quite a few of my poems in because I'll never publish them anywhere else. Some of them I sent around to my brothers and sisters. They got a big kick out of it because it relates to our childhood. Anybody that reads my book, you know, after I die, this is what I wanted to preserve. And this was a nice way to do it. Our next story comes from Victoria Hawks a sweet tale of friendship over many challenging and rewarding years. Listen to Victoria read her story as she answers the question, what does it mean to be best friends forever? I was a tough teenager years ago, not tough in the real sense, but tough in a suburban sense. I thought getting on the bus at one stop and subsequently getting off at the next stop was cool. I also had a big batch of new friends at the middle school. I began to do the things that they did, and I lost sight of my own goals and hobbies. My parents, who cared greatly about me, decided to send me to a private, all-girls school. It was there that I made my first Jewish friend, Debbie. Debbie with a Y. Debbie and I became friends almost immediately. She thought I was smart, funny, and beautiful. Things I never imagined were true. In fact, I hated my reflection. Yet Debbie always made me laugh and encouraged me to speak up because I had crippling shyness around boys. I so wanted to be popular, but at my new school, I didn't want to try. I was struggling. Debbie somehow made all of that bearable because she was by my side at this big, beautiful school. We slept over each other's houses and talked on the phone constantly. We skied together, biked, swam, 
and went to parties. I loved her family, and I had the honor of attending several religious celebrations. I was so grateful to have such a wonderful, fun, loyal friend. One Saturday morning, our family telephone began to ring, call after call, telling me Debbie was hurt in a car crash. Some said Debbie had died. Others said she was terribly injured. It turned out she was in a coma, and she had been seriously injured. I was devastated, deeply devastated. What did my life look like without my special friend? I couldn't bear the thought. In time, I was allowed to visit Debbie, and that too was deeply challenging. Debbie's mother was incredibly strong and helped me to feed Debbie ice chips and say hello. I kept visiting Debbie over the years. She eventually regained the ability to speak some words and sentences, and her sense of humor remained intact. We had all sorts of funny adventures again, but this time I had to lift a wheelchair and cope if she had a seizure, but it was well worth it. I had my friend back, my best friend. One time I took Debbie out to a restaurant, and while I was visiting the ladies' room, she called over some men that were at another table. It was so funny. I forgot my shyness, and we all had a big laugh. Debbie was back. There was another time I took her to an elegant restaurant in Boston. Such atmosphere. <laughs> Such ambiance. When the formal, rather stuffy waiter asked Debbie what she would like, she replied, I would like to have a man, okay? I could not stop laughing. I was so loud that I attracted the attention of the room. Finally, the waiter dropped his pretense and cracked up. Debbie loved that. And she then put the icing on the cake when she said to our waiter as a follow-up, I want a man with eyes of blue and a coffee sombrero too. As you can imagine, we all laughed and relaxed. It was the most fun I had experienced with Debbie in years. Interestingly enough, every time I needed help or the wheelchair got stuck or something difficult occurred, it was always the person who appeared the most frightening that would save the day. I learned that people who come to our rescue when we are most challenged come to us in forms we least expect. By default, due to our adventures, I was forced to permanently throw off my shyness. I learned that I too had something to say and I gained confidence. Debbie and I always close our time together by singing a special song she taught me when we were students years ago. The song is entitled Havana Gila, and it is fun to sing with your best friend in the entire world. Debbie still must, at times, have long hospital stays, but she is still pitching. There is no friend whom I admire more. There is no friend who I am more grateful to. Debbie, my best friend forever. Debbie with a Y. Victoria, how did you get started with StoryWorth? I've always written stories for my grandchildren and told them stories, and I did the same thing for my children. And my great-grandmother was a storyteller, so she wrote her stories and put them in a book for us to enjoy. And so my daughter, knowing that I love to tell stories, bought me a subscription to StoryWorth. And so then I just started writing stories. Then when I received the challenge to write a story, 
I could only think of Debbie for many reasons, for many, many reasons, you know. She's always meant so much to me. So I think she'll get a kick out of the story. When I praise her, though, she's not going to like that part. But she'll laugh when I, when I repeat her quip to the waiter. She'll definitely laugh. We'll let the writer of our last story introduce herself, and then we'll hear her story answering the question, what simple pleasures in life do you enjoy? I'm Patricia Sly. I have eight grandchildren and 12 great-grandchildren. I wrote and published my first nonfiction book at 75. Now, 10 years and five books later, I'm going to read an excerpt from my StoryWorth edition. It is entitled, A Peaceful Life. A peaceful life. It seems to take having a lot of life slip away before I realized how much more meaning and enjoyment the simple things in life bring. Time shared with my sons, doing ordinary things like camping and sledding, or baking bread and eating it warm with homemade applesauce brought a sense of togetherness and enjoyment. In later years, spending time with my grandchildren filled me with gratitude for the opportunity to watch them grow and develop their own personalities. I really liked introducing them to new experiences. It saddened me when there became so many of them, I couldn't fit them all in the same car. I had to divide these excursions into girls' days and boys' days. Something special was lost. A couple of times I asked a friend to help me out so I could take all of them swimming and have a picnic. Other simple things I especially enjoy now are the quiet times on the porch on these warm summer mornings. I really like my peace, the stillness, and total lack of rude noises before the world starts churning. In the greater picture of it all, it turns out that the simple, non-costly things really carry the most meaning and importance in our lives. These will long outlive all the stuff that too many chase after, things that can disappear in a heartbeat. The most important aspects are what we carry inside. Your perspective is so refreshing and calming to hear especially in this chaotic time we're all living through. Is there anything about your story worth experience that you'd like to share? I will say this, that I really enjoyed putting all these stories together, primarily for my great-grandchildren now, particularly because it asks questions that helps it contain a lot of family history and the people Like, I even knew great-grandparents. So, you know, it it brings forth all these years and all this experience and all these people that came before I did and will give, hopefully, my grandchildren and great-grandchildren a sense of where they came from and who was a part of their lives. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to get started writing your life stories or want to give the gift of StoryWorth to a loved one, head over to storyworth.com slash podcast. 
this was the last episode of our first season, but we'll be back with season two before too long. In the meantime, if you like what you hear, subscribe to the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, maybe share an episode with a friend. It makes a huge difference and we'd appreciate it. StoryWorth is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, hosted by me, Krista Baum, and produced by Hannah Ray Leach. We get production help from Jill Granberg and our mix engineer is Eric Coltnow. We'll see you next time.